Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We were on the verge of a major scientific breakthrough. A quantum leap forward in warp core technology. 10,000 teradynes per second. The ability to travel at a sustained rate of speed longer and faster than we ever dreamed. What would have been the crowning achievement of my career? Right there, within our grasp. <sighs> Until it all went so horribly wrong. We pushed her too hard, and a warp core malfunction overloaded the system, creating a pressure gradient way beyond what the ship can handle. <sighs> it was heartbreaking. We lost some of our best people. Well, folks, it's been a while since we've done a book club episode of Positively Trek, but with the recent release of the Star Trek Resurgence video game, I felt like it was time to take a look at that prequel comic. Yes, there is a prequel comic miniseries to the Star Trek Resurgence video game. So if you haven't read that, go grab it, check it out. We're going to talk about it, and by we, I mean there's me, your host, Dan Gunther, and with me, as she always is to talk about the comics, Brandy Jackala. Brandy, welcome back to Positively Trek. Thank you so much. I love being here for the comics issues. These comics episodes are so good. <laughs> well, I so love having you here because, you know, I mean... Star Trek is already sort of a niche thing. Like there's a big fandom, but you know, it's a little bit niche. Generally speaking, it's smaller than some of the other fandoms, but then there's the comics, which are like a bit of a niche of a niche. Mm. And then there's like a prequel comic series to a video game, which is like, I don't know, we're like four niches deep at this point, but I'm still really excited to talk about this because it's something different. It's something new. It's a totally new, I don't know, new characters, new crew, new ship, something we've never seen before. Yes, agreed. And I didn't know exactly what to expect. Basically, um, I, I'm not the kind of person that keeps up with all of the comic book releases because I don't know if you've seen those catalogs that have all the releases for the next few months, but they are like an inch thick and I do mm -hmm. not have time to go through that. So I basically just told the, the, the owner with, on which, you know, with whom I'm on a first name basis of my local comic shop and said, dude, if it's Star Trek, it goes in my box. I don't care if it has Star Trek on it, it goes in my box. And he said, no problem. And so that's when Star Trek research showed up and I'm like what the what is this okay let's see what this is about <laughs> awesome well I'm really glad you did because I've I'm excited to talk to somebody about this because it's yeah I had thoughts <laughs> I do too and yeah there I mean okay cards on the table definitely go read this I think it's worth reading especially if you're playing the video game yes I would imagine if you're reading this comic you're playing that video game um, but it, it's, it's definitely worth picking up and we're going to go through this issue by issue. There's five issues. It started coming out in November of 2022 with an issue a month, basically. And 
it really kind of flew under the radar. I was getting review copies of it from IDW, but I, I kind of was just throwing them in a folder because I hadn't had time to get to them. And I just read them all in the last week and mm. got caught up on the story, at which time I started playing the video game. And I've only played about 10 minutes of it so far, but it, it's interesting I'd be curious to talk to somebody playing the game without having read these comics because I have thoughts on the characters in the game already, even though I haven't met them in game yet. So, right. Mm. It's, it is interesting. Um, the thing is, is that I read this like what a couple months, no, well, more than a couple months ago. I started it, you know, in November and then I finished it. And then the video game comes out and I'm just like, this seems familiar. <laughs> Of course, I had a lot going on in my life right then, and so I just, I just kind of shoved it aside. And then when I started playing Resurgence, which admittedly was yesterday, <laughs> yes, of this recording, I oh, oh, yeah, okay, now I get it because I met all these people in the comics. But yeah, it was um, I I had forgotten a lot of it, so of course I reread all the comics. That now that I was not in that panicked frame of mind that I was for about six weeks, and Dan knows why that happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, I actually really am enjoying the video game, and uh, it's kind of like everything I wanted from Star Trek Online and didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like. I think the best way that I can put it is you want to know what life is really like on a starship from multiple points of view. That's what this is. This is day to day, hour to hour, what it's like to be on a starship. And I am so into it. <laughs> yeah. What little I've played has been so much fun. I mean, like being a lower decker and using a plasma torch to get scoring off of some <laughs> equipment. I'm like, that'd be kind of cool if the whole game was just that, like just menial odd jobs all over the ship kind of thing. Like, yeah, well, this is cool. Yeah. Well, and also playing the first officer is fun too. It's a nice mm. dichotomy between what it's like. And of course, our our grunt, our lower decker, he's he's enlisted. He's not a commissioned officer. So yeah. that's even more just like really in the trenches sort of thing. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, like like he'd have to call Mariner and Boimler sir. Like yes. that's where he's at. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> he would. <laughs> Well, let's get into this. So um, Star Trek Resurgence issue number one uh, came out in November. All of the issues are written by Andrew Grant and Dan Martin with art by Josh Hood. And uh, yeah, I, I have thoughts on the story, the artwork, all of that as, as we go along. So uh, issue number one starts out with basically Dr. Leah Brahms. And <laughs> I, I see the look on Brandy's face already. There's some choices in this whole story, and we'll get to them for sure from several characters. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We will get to those choices. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we, we've got her on this planet extracting dilithium. Uh, we'll learn more later that this is you know, a special isotope of dilithium that is going to power this modified engine she's working on, this breakthrough of some kind. And Talarian ships start descending. Now, if you don't remember the Talarians, they're from the, they were introduced in the season four TNG episode, Suddenly Human, as yet another species that the Federation has had prior conflicts and border wars and stuff with. 
Uh, so, you know, not nice guys. And of course, we're reading this and we're getting the impression like, oh, no, the Tolarians are here to kidnap Dr. Brahms. Uh, and I didn't really I hadn't gone back to read this part when we learn later on some of the revelations. But, yeah, she she's not surprised to see them at all. No, no. And, and my first thought is, are we going to see Mullet Boy again? <laughs> <laughs> we better see Mullet Boy. <laughs> Because you don't introduce the Tolarians without making reference to that TNG episode. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was interesting. So, spoiler alert, we do see Mullet Boy. Although, he's sans mullet, I think. Yay! Or, or... He, he grew out of it! <laughs> so, Jono, of course, who is the human uh, who had been captured by the Tolarians as a child and raised. And there was a, that whole episode suddenly human, of course, was they discover that he's alive and his grandmother wants him back. And Picard kind of negotiates this whole thing. Is he going to go back with his human parents? Is he going to stay with the Tolarians? And ultimately he stays with the Tolarians, the people who raised him from childhood basically so one of those episodes i haven't revisited in a while but i remember really enjoying and and the the kind of ethical moral quandary and also one of those ones where by the end you're like was this the right decision i don't know you know mm. Th well that's the thing is there a right decision yeah, in this situation the is there a right decision because it's not always black and white. And that's that's the beauty of Star Trek is it's not always black and white. And you deal with that in the game, too, which I really appreciate. It's just <laughs> it just feels so Star Trek. It's the most Star Trek game I've ever played. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to playing more, especially having this this background information now. Oh, yeah. So we are uh, introduced to the USS Resolute, the uh, kind of hero ship of the series and of the video game and we meet the first officer commander sutherland who uh if you've played the game you know there's there's a little bit of mystique around him we know that oh, i mean I, I guess when this comic came out we didn't know mm. this so it's it's i don't i don't know how to deal with this quite here yet because i don't want to spoil the end of the comic but if you've played the game you know the end of the comic we'll just go with what's in the comics. So Commander Sutherland is first officer and we kind of get his POV for a lot of this story. And we also meet uh, the chief engineer, Mr. Chovak, who... Love me a Vulcan! <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> Havoc has taken hold in his engine room and he is <laughs> distraught that there are a couple of science officers coming and making changes to his systems. <laughs> and he is displeased as displeased as a Vulcan can be which is very <laughs> very well the funny thing is is that engineering is technically science so... <laughs> like come on man well don't argue that with Chovak he oh, will no. have I words know. with you <laughs> I'm sure he will I would love to have a logic argument about whether engineering is a science <laughs> well the resolute is tasked with tracking down Dr. Brahms who's uh recorded as disappeared and, and she's working on this engine thing and stuff. And uh, the Resolute is ordered by this Andorian Admiral who has a permanently quizzical expression on their face here. <laughs> um, kind of love. But uh, they're they're going to track down Leah Brahms. And it's also implied that the captain has some sort of 
uh, personal relationship with Dr. Brahms, um, whether that's mm. via the holodeck or in real life. We don't. I'm just <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, poor Jody. Jordy. Jordy. Poor Jordy. They just <laughs> they did him wrong so many times in TNG. They really did. They really did. Yep. But uh, it it turns out that he actually worked with her on engine designs. He was he was an engineer guy. He helped her design engines before he left, and and she kept on doing that. So that's where their their history comes from. They apparently worked fairly closely on whatever project she's working on right now as well. So we get maybe some indications that his motivation here is a little bit more personal. Maybe he's a little bit more closely tied to this than another captain might be. Yeah, I think that he in this issue, I I started to feel like he's not going to be able to be completely objective, is he? Mm -hmm. And a captain needs to be objective. So I I felt immediately... Ooh, this could go badly. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, there's definitely some setups for for some badness, I think. Yes. But basically in in the rest of this uh issue, they're they're tracking her down, they find the planet, they discover that the Talarians took her or have her, and um they end up surrounded by the Talarians and we meet the aforementioned mullet boy or Jono, who's lost his mullet but is all grown up and is now commander of the ship that his father was the commander of, the Cumare. So interesting little revelation at the end. That was kind of cool. I was like, oh, Captain Jono Endar of the Talarian militia. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you don't really think about because with TNG, there were so it was, you know, very episodic. And that was just what we did storytelling wise back in that day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you see an episode and you forget about it. And then when I when I started reading the comic, I thought, oh, wait, this is nice. This is nice. I like this. And so I'm sure a lot of people who read the comic were running back to that episode to have a look, which uh, actually has happened to me with some stuff that's happened in the game. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to revisit mm. that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there's this big revelation. I'm like, oh, that's a deep cut. <laughs> So. Interesting. See, that's one thing that I, I've heard a lot about the game is it's just jam packed with those kind of deep cuts, which this comic kind of is too. I kind of like that they've done that. And it's, yeah. it's not Easter eggy stuff. It's not like, Ooh, look at this stuff. It's actually kind of tied to the plot and makes sense. And, yeah. and I, I really enjoy that. Like even the main character or, or the first officer character in the game is a Kobliad which uh, might make you go back and watch that terrible first season Deep Space Nine episode, The Passenger, Ugh. where because of certain choices made while acting and then choices made afterwards that he had to redub the lines, Dr. Bashir sounds like this <laughs> as the villain for the entire last third of the episode. It's like, oh, it's yeah. so bad. Well, Dr. Bashir in season one is just all over creepy. So, yeah, it took uh, it took a few seasons for me to actually start liking him because, yeah, the way he was written was just kind of 
Yeah, I actually really feel bad for uh, Sidigel Fadil for that episode in particular, because the story that I heard was the director said, oh, do this voice, do this like gruff voice when you're you're him. So he did it and it was a slower method of speaking. And then when they they went back, they're like, actually, we don't like that. We're going to get you to redub your lines just with your regular Bashir voice. But because it was so much slower, he had to talk like, and it just, it's awful. Mm. The end result is terrible. And I feel so bad for him. <laughs> he just left it the way it was. Absolutely. Well, um, thoughts on issue number one, I guess. Uh, what do you think of this introduction? What Are you invested? Are you worried for the fate of Dr. Brahms? Because at this point we think like, yeah, she's been kidnapped and all of that. Yeah, actually, I wasn't worried about Dr. Brahms at all because she was doing stuff that she probably shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I just I kind of felt like she was um, working outside of Starfleet at this yeah. point. You, you kind of get that hint. And so that was the assumption I was going. And I thought, what are you doing, girl? What are you doing? And I figured the Tolarians probably... I mean, they obviously knew she was there. And I just thought, nah, I think they want what she's got. I think that's what's Mm. going on here. So um, I immediately didn't like the captain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. What's his name? Solano, is that it? Solano, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I should know this by now. Um, I just, I don't know. There was just something about him that rubbed me the wrong way. I think, honestly, (laughs) this is going to sound so dumb. I think it's because initially when I saw him, I'm like, oh, oh, God, it's J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> he does bear a striking oh. resemblance. I could see that. That would be an interesting casting for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just uh. <laughs> so I just and that was again, that was on me. That was that was totally something in my brain and not something I'm sure that they were trying to do in the comics. But that immediately just, I couldn't get that part out of my head. I couldn't disconnect it after seeing it. So I was just kind of like, hmm, hmm. And the personal connection, it meant me, hmm, yeah. But I did, I did like Sutherland a lot. And I thought that he was doing his job as a first officer. Mm -hmm. And I think that he also was kind of seeing that there might be this potential for a problem with this personal connection. Well, there's also some interesting dialogue between him and the science officer that like when I first read this I was like that's Westbrook isn't it Westbrook yeah yeah yeah. and he in particular I felt was being kind of cavalier about kind of insulting the captain so I was like I was a little bit at first kind of thinking like I don't know if that's very you know becoming behavior and I, I wouldn't appreciate that but then I was like well, obviously there's reason for this. Like mm-hmm. if this attitude has festered, possibly the the reason is the person at the top, you know? So I, I kind of was trying to keep more open mind rather than immediately I was, I was kind of like, I don't know about the science officer. I don't, and, and the first officer was not really discouraging it. I didn't think that was really a good idea, but then I thought, well, maybe there's good reason for this, so... Yeah, well, see, and that's the thing. We don't know everything that this crew has been through up until the part where the comic starts. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. but I kind of got a feeling there was some history going on. And that's the thing about a first officer. A first officer is there to listen to concerns. Yeah. And that's what Sutherland is doing without being completely judgmental and saying, no, you're wrong. And this is insubordination, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's technically just talking at this point. Mm -hmm. And a good first officer, that's what they're for. So, yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed this introduction. I'm definitely hooked. I mm -hmm. want to see more. I want to know what's going on. I was still like, I, Leah Brahms has never been my favorite character. I've never been Same. like, oh, yay, a Leah Brahms episode. Same. But I was still thinking like, oh, this is the scientist in distress. We've got to go rescue the scientist. I mean, we've seen that story a million times, right? So oh, we have. I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's one of those stories. But uh, it's not. It's not, as we'll find out. Um, in issue number two, which uh, we get a little bit of a, an appearance by Jordy. We see some of the, the motivation, I guess, behind Brahms' determination to work outside of the Federation and, and prove this engine is going to work. And uh, yeah, Jordy kind of encouraged her as well, as we find out Solano encouraged her back in the day as well. So, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Mm. Very interesting indeed. Hmm. <laughs> but back in the present day, uh, we have Solano and Sutherland and they beam over to Jono's ship at his invitation. And we kind of get the impression that Jono is a little bit more level headed than the straight up Talarian commanders who are, you know, demanding their surrender and saying, how dare you violate our space? And Jono's kind of the more reasoned person here saying, Captain Solano was a man of reason. You see, Captain, the only Federation sh ship here is yours. And he's he's talking reasonably with Solano rather than yelling like all the Talarians seem to be doing here. Yeah, I feel like um, Jono has an advantage here when dealing with other humans because he did spend that time on the Enterprise. He spent that time with Picard mm -hmm. and he has an understanding of the other side, so to speak. Yeah. So he is better suited to deal with the situation than the hot-headed, full-blooded Tolarians, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of hot-headed, full-blooded Tolarians, and possibly hot-headed in more than one way, by the yeah. looks of it, Commandant <laughs> Hector, uh, we were kind of introduced to him here. He's got I, I don't know, some sort of weapons burns on half his face and he's got a personality disposition to match kind of thing. Mm. He takes the two officers prisoner and orders Jono to destroy the Resolute. That's his, that's how he's going to solve everything here. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it kind of seems like he's the one that goes in guns blazing and that's how he got that face. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's that whole really outdated attitude of might is right. Yeah, And that the strongest person always wins, but there are different kinds of strength and military strength, physical strength. That's not all there is to strength. And the, this guy just does not even acknowledge that. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, though, we have a, a rescue team from the Resolute beaming into the Talarian station to try and uh, locate the captain and first officer and Dr. Brahms. And uh, we see some interactions with some of the crew here. We see a little bit more with uh, the science officer and, and some other no-named officers, some of whom are going to get phasered here because we need to know the stakes. <laughs> the red shirts. Yeah. Yeah. We got some red shirts up in here. 
some cool stuff though. I like getting through this force field thing with the with whatever material these panels are made of somehow. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of fun. I'd love to see that kind of uh, realized in a live action thing. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I would I would like to see this whole thing done as a like you know a streaming movie like they're gonna do with Section Thirty One. Oh, totally. And uh, yeah, we get some typical action tropes rescuings and phaser fires in the corridors and stuff like that and the revelation that the Talarians are building this uh ship to house this experimental drive which looks vaguely starfleetish there's you know a big saucer is kind of the big thing welded onto a more blocky Talarian design i guess <laughs> it looked really weird <laughs> just like is that a ship <laughs> just it was kind of um it kind of looked like uh something that you'd build from junkyard parts and just doing what you had you know mm. using what you had but it was it was very odd to me very very alien except for the saucer bit it's cool it's a neat design i don't know that i'd want an eagle moss model of it no but it's no. pretty cool <laughs> yeah Except it's not Eagle Moss anymore. It's now Master Replicas. Yes, that's true. But yeah, while all this is going on, the Talarians are attacking the Resolute as well. Uh, and we get, you know, typical that kind of action going on. I guess not too much to say about that. But uh, yeah, the captain and first officer join the rescue team and they're going to go find Dr. Brahms. And that's where we get the revelation at the end where she says, I came here by choice. I'm not, I'm not a prisoner. What, what do you mean rescue me? I don't know. You're welcome. Ugh. <laughs> I was like, uh, guess what? Um, if you have to be working outside of the Federation to do what you're doing, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. I'm not saying that Starfleet and the Federation are always right, but if they deem something too dangerous... It probably is. You're saying that she's not smarter than the entirety of the decision-making people at Starfleet? She's... Agree. Yes, she's not smarter than everyone. Hmm. Crazy she's more. She's more ambitious, and she obviously thinks she's right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, by the end, she'll be proved right, right? Sure. <sighs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that was the, the big revelation of course at the end of this and i was i was it wasn't so much like a what moment it was like a mm, Mm. okay now i'm really annoyed with her and there better be a really good explanation here maybe she's undercover or something but no no of course not no save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details 
Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Positively Trek. We truly do appreciate each and every one of our listeners, and I'd like to especially thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our Constitution Class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, and Paul D. Kinnear. If you'd like to become a supporter of Positively Trek and join our crew, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, ad-free episodes, episodes, and more. Again, that's patreon.com slash positively trek. Thank you all and live long and prosper. Well, okay. This is where the story starts uh, really getting interesting slash aggravating. I don't Mm. know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we go on to issue number three and something you mentioned earlier, and I really like that we got this scene here between it was another it's another flashback to 13 years ago on the Enterprise D and it's young Jono and Picard in the episode Suddenly Human. And I love this kind of reminder of the philosophy that Picard would have exposed Jono to. Mm-hmm. That, you know, all cultures will come together and work together. And that's kind of what's informing him here, where he's trying to prevent the two sides from going to war. I really like that. I love that he became such a reasonable, passionate person in in his, once he's done his youth, right? I, I love mm-hmm. that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, well, when we met him, he was an angry teenager. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody probably was an angry teenager at one point. I mean, everybody was a teenager. I mean, everybody who's still around was a teenager at one point. But Mm -hmm. most of the time there is that angry period because you just don't know who you are or what you want. And it's frustrating and you feel like no one understands you, even though your parents have been through everything that you're going through, but you don't want to hear it. You know, it's just that it's just that time. And so now seeing him as an adult, I really love that he remembered those aspects of his time on Enterprise and remembered the things that Picard taught him. And have has obviously implemented that into his personal style of command. Yeah, and it makes this character someone who, like, I'd never thought of seeing before. But, like, he is the perfect character to catch up with again later, given that he was so young when we saw him the first time. And so much of Star Trek's philosophy sometimes is, you know, planting a seed and seeing what comes of it. And... I'm really impressed with this young man. And when he was first introduced in the first issue at the end, I was like, oh no, now this familiar face is going to be generic villain number five. And oh, mm. darn it, you know. Uh, but to see that Picard's influence caused him to just be this wonderful young man who's doing his best to bridge these two cultures. I love it. I think that's so wonderful. I agree. And it, we don't get a lot from his crew, you know, because it's mostly him, but they have to respect him. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't try to undermine him in any way during any part of this process. Yeah. So they obviously care about him and respect him and follow him by choice. And I love that. Yeah. And I think it's in this issue, if I'm right, we do see that one officer of his who uh is escorting sutherland around is that in this issue 
Um, oh yeah. So. After he steps up for the officer and gets hit and then she stops it and we find out like, oh, I'm Jono Endar is my captain, she says, and I admire what you did for your subordinates. So we see that he's kind of imbued his crew with these values as well. You know, the some of the other Talarians are casually violent and she is someone who recognizes that that's not always the right way. I really like that. Well, stop me if I'm wrong, but I seem to recall that the Talarians weren't big on women in the workplace that's right too i forgot about that yeah and that they were good basically for breeding and keeping house and that's mm -hmm. what they were there for that's so a good point. Yeah. to see a female on jono's ship that was something else i mean that was really progressive for him yeah and i totally forgot about that but that's absolutely right i remember that I think he was incredulous that Worf was taking an order from Dr. Crusher or something mm -hmm. like that. Or yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. That's a really good point. Absolutely. Thank you for pointing that out. My pleasure because it floored me when it, <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? And then I'm like going to memory alpha to see, nah, I think I am right about this. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, oh, you absolutely right. are. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So yeah, basically what's happening in this one, we've got the captain agreeing to use the resolute to test this engine technology for the Talarians. It's under the threat of the Talarian guns, but it's still, he seems pretty quick to go along with this hmm. now the first officer kind of takes this to mean he's stalling for time and we're going to take the ship back he can't say that but he also the the first officer also doesn't completely believe that that's the case either because at one point they said we'll inform the captain and he says no, I don't want to inform the captain because I don't want to have to disobey his order. So he mm -hmm. kind of also knows that that's not totally the case, but he's choosing to believe that the captain is just going along with this for show. Yeah, but at the same time, preparing for whether it's not show. Yeah. And he's really going to do this. Which is, again, boy, what a red flag. that. Mm-hmm that would even enter your mind that you have to like prepare for the fact that maybe the captain is doing a bit of treason. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, again, we don't know what happened before this comic started. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that Sutherland knows his captain well, and because of that knows what he could possibly could do if compromised by his personal feelings which yeah. I, you know, we're starting to see is kind of the case. So, yeah, there, uh, basically there's a bunch of people that are interested in engines who are getting ahead of themselves because they really want this technology to work, even though it means working with the Talarians. And we see that with the captain for sure. Leah Brahms, obviously. Mm. But we also see that a bit with uh, the science officer as well. Mm. Um, and he seems a little bit, he's like, this could work. And the first officer's like, okay, but, but no, <laughs> what do you, what do you do? And uh, it's, it's the whole thing about risk versus reward. And obviously if you don't risk big, you don't get rewarded big, but the potential for disaster, in my opinion, outweighs the potential for success. 
So, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess with people's lives. Frankly, mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, I'm with Sutherland on this, I'm like, you're, you could be sacrificing lives here unnecessarily. Yeah, you're in a bad situation, but there is a better way to do this. And yeah. Sutherland, I think, is the person who is trying to weigh all of that, like a good first officer should, but he shouldn't be put in this position. Mm-hmm. Frankly, he really shouldn't. But Absolutely. he's he's the one who can do this stuff, whereas the captain can't. So they also discover that the Talarians are stealing torpedoes and, and other weapons off the ship while all of this is going on. Big <laughs> Which, surprise. <laughs> like, big no-no, obviously. Obviously. Um, but they decide to use that to their advantage. And Sutherland says, you know, rig one of the torpedoes to detonate, not physically, I guess, but just in subspace and it'll shut down the ship and it'll be, it won't be so destructive, but it'll shut down all the power systems and stuff. And in the meantime, he goes to meet with Jono. And I love this scene where they kind of come to this agreement here where they're going to simulate a plasma breach as a pretense to evacuate all the Talarians from the Resolute so that they can get away. I love this. I think that's really cool. I agree. <laughs> I just love Jono as a character, and I didn't think that I'd ever say that. I know, right? <laughs> it's just like, you know, when 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 we saw that Suddenly Human episode, I found that kid very annoying. Not the actor, but, mm. you know, the kid. And I think that that's just because... Again, as a woman, I hated the misogyny and the sexism of the of the Talarians. And unfortunately, uh, that kind of misogyny and sexism would persist for a while and still does to this day, let's mm. be honest. So, yeah, basically, you know, I don't like to be made to feel like a second class citizen and that I have no rights. Oh, wait, that's already happening. Anyway, um. <laughs> Long yep. story short, <laughs> I love adult Jono and I love the that he's this way because of the interaction that he had with Enterprise and Picard. And it just makes my heart happy. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely agree. So this plan of Sutherland's goes well and Jono evacuates all the Talarians off the ship because it's about to blow, apparently. Dr. Brahms and Captain Solano are a little bit more put out. You know, that was no plasma leak. I want answers. And the first officer, Sutherland, says, you bought us the time so I could find a way out of this. And Solano says, no, I was playing the long game. You went behind my back. But what's done is done. We're getting out of here. You're kind of like, okay. You're upset that you're escaping. Okay. Interesting. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Why is this guy a captain? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, never make J. Jonah Jameson a captain of a starship. Not a no. good idea. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't unassociate them. So, uh, yeah, they they run at full impulse because their warp drive is currently offline uh, for this experiment that they've they've been running. And as the issue closes, we see the Talarian experimental ship launching to chase them down. So, dun dun dun, as they say. Yeah. Oof, that was a that was a lot to happen in one issue. <laughs> yeah, I really liked this issue. I love that uh that Talarian officer, the woman who is is uh assigned to guard Sutherland is like, "Oh, looks like I lost track of you there for a while." <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome. She's great. I love yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah, more women on Talarian ships, y'all. <laughs> mhm. <laughs> 
Although I think uh, Commandant Hector wouldn't uh, agree, but... Well, Hector can kiss my sweet lily white butt. (laughs) (laughs) Here, here. Well, we're uh, nearing the end here. We're in issue four of five. And uh, we've got the Resolute on the run from the Telerian ships on impulse power because they don't have their their warp drive working. Basically, it comes down to having to choose between hooking up the original warp reactor or going with the experimental one to get away. And Solano just really wants this experiment to work, right? Like, that's his whole motivation here. Then do it! After you've escaped. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. Yeah. And actually, even before that, we've got Solano dressing Sutherland down for going behind his back and saving everyone. So far, anyway. No. I, I was really, really upset with the captain in this whole issue. I was upset with this captain in this entire run of comics. Yeah. I mean... The number of warnings that he gets to about this experimental matrix, uh, you know, we're running out of time and Brahms is like, oh, my thing is nearly ready to come back online. They have a working warp core right now that they could plug in and escape. But they're like, no, we're going to wait a few minutes and get this experimental one online. The Telerians are firing on them. The operations officer says now may not be the time to rely on an experimental design. And the captain's like, no, no, we're going to do this. We don't have time to debate this. We're going to go with the experimental one. And I'm just like, like his whole, this will be the test of the new design to prove it works once and for all and claim our place in the history books. Oh, I am so sick of the phrase once and for all. That too. Yeah. So sick of it. But, like, claim our place in the history books. Like, save your crew, buddy. Don't... Yeah, that's that's not your job. Your job is to keep your crew alive and your ship intact and get your butt back to Federation space. That is your job. Yeah. And the fact that they wasted all of this time putting that new warp engine in was asinine at best. Yeah. And you're risking lives at this point. You are risking lives. You're risking the lives of everyone on that ship for your ego. And not just his own crew as well, because they're sitting out there at at Impulse waiting to hook this thing up. They could have warped away before. But meanwhile, you know, Hector's about to finish them off. And Jono says, put our ship in between them to protect. Like, there's so many people that are having to sacrifice things just so this captain can have his, you know, headline in the Starfleet newspaper or whatever. Like, it's just, it's so disgusting. It is. And it it, it was at that moment that everything I thought about him was confirmed. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Uh, I wanted to be surprised. I was not, but I sure was angry. Yeah. So, yeah, they they do get it online finally and warp away and everyone celebrates. They're rocketing up through the warp speeds so fast. Uh, It seems to be a success until, of course, it all goes wrong. That's why you don't test these things. In an actual starship. You can't do that. That's why there are steps to research, development, and implementation. You mm-hmm. can't skip over the steps, especially the testing phase. Testing it on a live starship in a battle situation is the stupidest thing 
you could possibly do. <sighs> and uh, so, yeah, there's a, a runaway reaction and they can't even eject the warp core, of course. Of course not. It's a perpetual reaction. It's going to keep building and building and building. Uh, they have a stopgap solution to like bleed off excess energy into the plasma conduits or something like that. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Which, you know, the first officer, like the captain's going to go do it. And the first officer says, the captain's place is on the bridge. It's my job to have your back. I'll go. Because Solano had told him earlier, it's your job to have my back. And rah, rah, rah. And so he's taking it seriously and going and saving his captain's butt by going and uh, doing this plasma conduit thing. So spoiler, if you've not played the video game, you find out at the beginning that the Resolute doesn't have a first officer because their first officer died. So reading this, I know this first officer is going to die at some point. I honestly kind of thought it was going to be here, even though it was issue number four. I'm like, that's interesting. He's going to go bleed off this excess energy into the plasma conduit. And there's a big, huge explosion. And uh, we see the resolute drifting in space. Pa plasma conduits blown out. I thought, did he just die there? Interesting. Like, I, I thought that might have been where where he died. Yeah, I I thought that too, but I thought, no, if somebody's going to die, it's going to be in the final issue, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially with being a prequel. But, that was the one uh, thing in the back of my mind. I was like, but yeah. it's issue four. Yeah, they're going to pull the, he's alive, but horribly wounded. Uh, so yeah, this was the issue where I, for sure, like you said, it cemented my opinion about the captain. I'm just, the close-ups on his face and stuff. This warp core starts going bad and he like doubles over on the helm console with his head in his hands. I'm like, dude, yes, you screwed up. Yes, it's catastrophic. Lead, please. Could mm -hmm. you get up off the ground and and ah oh, oh, so mad at him yeah it's just like so much dereliction of duty right now mm -hmm. so much and yeah it's and and for what really for what ego yeah and like how could his crew ever trust him again i don't think they can i'm, I'm really interested to play more of that game now <laughs> what the hell yeah, that's the thing. It's just you you can't trust somebody like that. He broke the trust of his crew. Mm -hmm. He did. He did that himself. No one forced him to do it. He made that choice. And yeah. how do you come back from that? I don't know if you can as a captain. Well, let's get into the fifth and final issue. <sighs> we have uh, still at this point, I was like, Oh no, no, is the first officer dead? But no, he's very badly injured. He's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's like Will Ferrell's character in Austin Powers. I'm very badly burned. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> he's missing his right eye at this point. And yeah. uh and horrible burns. Don't know what's going on on his right side, but definitely bleeding a lot. And uh yeah, but still he's still getting up and and trying to do his best to save everybody, which is mm -hmm. what the captain should have been doing. Yeah. So yeah, that conduit overload, it bought some time, uh, but with the Resolute unable to eject the warp core, they're still on this countdown to destruction. You know, it kind of bled off some of the power, but they're still going to blow. And they're desperate to try and figure out, they're, they're bleeding literally, literally and figuratively. 
uh, Chovok is standing straight and tall with a chunk of metal sticking out of his side, doing his best to do his duty. Being so stoic like a Vulcan is. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Their only option is a saucer separation. This thing's going to blow. But they're they're going to have to get the crew away in the saucer section. But it might be immobilized after separation. It might separate and then just sit there and not have any power to get away. But the star drive section should still have power. And Sutherland volunteers to remain behind on the on the star drive section to pilot it away, basically. And that's where I was like, OK, that's now we know how that's going to play out. Yeah. And it's, it's upsetting. It's upsetting because, uh, you know, when I first read it, I, I knew he was going to die, but I didn't know because of the game. I just knew. I mean, you, I don't know if he can yeah. come back from those injuries, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he was going to do the job that the captain should have been doing, which is protect as many people as possible. And so, of course, he's going to be the one to do that. He's got nothing to lose at this point because he's he I think that he thinks he's dying. And this is, you know, might as well go out in a blaze of glory. But it's not about glory for him. Never was. Yeah. No, it's about saving the lives of his crew, basically. Yeah. yeah. And Westbrook says he's going to stay with him in the star drive section as well, which, uh, you know, I, I liked that, uh, Sutherland didn't argue and just kind of went with him and they get to the escape pods where the crew is evacuating. They said, come on in guys. And Westbrook says, don't wait for us. We're going to the battle bridge. And Sutherland shoves him in the escape pod and says, not you, Ben, this is your ride. And I love that moment. That was Mm -hmm. great. Luckily the door closed really quickly at exactly that moment that was i'm glad that he hit the button to close it right then he saved his life he's gone yeah hero moment yeah well again he's doing what he should be doing which is saving as many lives as possible and he was not going to let his friend die there was no reason for westbrook to be with him there was no reason for that he knew that and and he's not he's not acting heroic or or putting on a thing he's just a hero that's Mm -hmm. period that's it that's period he's well and that's the thing it's the definition of a hero is vague at best but in my book a hero is a person who does what needs to be done regardless of what the personal sacrifice may be in order to protect other people to make a better outcome etc so in my book sutherland is the biggest hero in this entire comic series and totally pulls a george kirk (laughs) totally pulls a george kirk indeed he's going to pilot the star drive section away and of course you know the saucer section they're going to try and beam him aboard but that's not going to work uh there's just not enough power uh we've also got the talarians coming and threatening the saucer section and of course sutherland uses the star drive section to distract them and then blow up taking them with him basically yeah. Well, it was it was going to blow up anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though Hector wouldn't believe it. Like he yeah. just, you know, he's like, no, I want that engine. <laughs> okay, you can have it, buddy. Yeah, it's like, it's over here. It's not in the saucer section. Duh. Hector is all brawn and no brains. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of smarts there. I'm assuming no. whatever led to his facial injury. <laughs> yeah. Probably also reflective of his lack of uh, smarts. Let's say <laughs> he's probably a hothead who punches first 
and never asks questions later. Yeah. Captain Jono, who I'm very happy to say survives this and, and mm -hmm. basically rescues the crew of the Resolute and escorts them to the edge of uh, Talarian territory. Hopefully it was very close if they're just at impulse. Maybe they tractored them or something if it's further, hopefully, because we know in Star Trek it takes hundreds of years to go anywhere, not at warp, but they do yeah. make it back to Federation space eventually. This is kind of my biggest WTF of mm -hmm. the story, which is Dr. Brahms gets called reckless and irresponsible and she's given a probationary period, but she's allowed to continue her work considering her contributions to the advancement of science. Which, I mean, I guess if you're, I don't know, I can't justify this. Like, if you're the genius of all geniuses, I guess you want to keep them chained to their desk to keep churning out good stuff for you. But man, oh man, the lives she cost and the, I don't know, did she, had, she never once said sorry or that she regretted anything, did she? No, she never once apologized. She never once expressed any kind of horror at what she'd gotten everyone into and i mean and and the thing is is that also when they were trying to the saucer section was trying to escape the people in the escape pods were being fired on by the Talarians. Mm -hmm. and so they were killing people in the escape pods so that's another reason why sutherland was so desperate to like get no, no, i've got your thing you come over here no and just did she regret any of it did she even care or was it all just in the name of science? And so it was all justifiable in her mind. Yeah. I had no idea she was this big of an egomaniac. Yeah. And even during this dressing down at Starfleet headquarters, like we never see any dialogue from her. We don't, mm -hmm. her head's bowed a little bit, but like it's shame from being called reckless and irresponsible. Like there's no, she's getting yeah. dressed down. So she looks sad, but what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> it's like it's like shame that she got caught not because yeah. not shame because of what she did but it's just shame she got caught yeah it just it's disturbing speaking of disturbing mm -hmm. uh, captain solano being addressed by the admirals here he offers his resignation based on the the tragic loss of life he takes full responsibility he says but the admirals refuse to accept his resignation and i doubt this board of inquiry is inclined to let you off that easily they say you'll remain as captain of the resolute but neither you nor your crew are to speak the truth of what happened out there the rest the mission to rescue dr brahms never happened and the onus is on you, Captain Solano, to redeem yourself in the eyes of Starfleet. You're being given a second chance. Don't screw it up. Like, what? Why are you putting this guy in charge of a ship again? Okay, now I can understand keeping him in Starfleet. But bust him down to lieutenant or something. Do not let him continue yeah. to be in charge. He has to work his way back up. He doesn't get to just continue to be in charge. That isn't how it should work. There should be consequences for his actions. 100%. Absolutely. And, and again, which brings me back to his crew. How are they ever going to trust him? How are they ever going to trust Starfleet? Mm -hmm. Because they made that decision. Yeah. Like, if I was a lieutenant on the Resolute, I'd be like, are you effing kidding me? Mm -hmm. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, 
a bad decision. And the thing is, is that would a different set of admirals have made a different decision? That's the thing. You know, it's not like, I mean, these few admirals were speaking for all of Starfleet, but is this what all of the Starfleet leadership would have done? Don't know that that's the case. So it makes me wonder what exactly they're trying to hide because obviously they want Leah Brahms's engine, but what links are they going to go to to get it? Yeah. And I'm sorry, but the end is not going to justify the means. I can tell you that right now because it's already not justified. Well, this is interesting because, of course, it ends with you you need a bunch of new crew because so many were killed. Yeah. Starting with a new first officer, which is, of course, one of the roles that you take when you play the game. So it's, that's kind of cool. I, I like that it leads into this. I kind of almost like that it gives me such strong feelings Mm -hmm. leading into the game too, because again, I'm curious if you've not read the comics, what your impressions of the captain were, would be, but having read the comic, I'm like immediately on my, on, on the backs of my feet around the captain. Like, I'm like, what's this, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. So that's cool. I like that aspect of it. I also like, and we didn't mention earlier on, we do actually get to meet the Lower Decks non-commissioned officer and the the Trill counterpart to him as well Mm -hmm. earlier in the story, which I didn't really comment on. But we see them right here at the end in in one of the panels on the last page as well. Yep, Diaz, and I forget her name because it's weird. Um. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah, I keep thinking of a name, but it's the name of one of the bridge crew from Picard. It's not. So I'm like, that's not it. I know her name, last name. It's one of those things where. Yeah, her last name begins with an E. I remember that. That's why I've got Esmar's name in my head, even though it's not Esmar. And my brain is doing that thing where you have the wrong answer and it won't shove out of the way. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's that's my whole thing with the J. Jonah Jameson thing and Captain Solano. I mean, I know they're not. I know he's not J. Jonah Jameson, but. Kind of is. Yeah, he he kind (laughs) of In more ways than one. (laughs) Uh, so Brandy overall thoughts on the series and would you recommend it I well enjoying is a a weird word to say but I did enjoy the story I thought it was interesting I thought it was different from a typical comic book story especially for a prequel I thought it was really well written Mm -hmm. and I I did enjoy the artwork and uh, sometimes, I don't know, I guess it depends on the person, but I loved all the techno babble. I loved all the science of it. I loved the 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 real Star Trek stuff. It felt like Star Trek to me. This comic really felt like Star Trek to me. And they didn't rely on a bunch of legacy characters to do that. And I appreciated that. Just to show you, yes, you can tell all these different stories in Star Trek and they're still going to be compelling. And uh, and I found the story compelling and I was really upset when Sutherland died, even though I knew that he was going to die. And I was really pissed off at Solano and I will remain pissed off at Solano until the very end because he screwed up big time. So I would recommend it. Uh, absolutely. I think it's a, a good example of a tie in. I mean, it's probably one of the better tie in comics I've ever seen, frankly. And that's just not within Star Trek, but just in general. Yeah, I think I would agree with all of that. I I like your point about it being one of the better tie-ins ever. Like, it's kind of a a sleeper for me, right? Mm -hmm. Where Star Trek Resurgence, what is that? Oh, it's this video game. Okay, kind of thing. And it does 
really well as a prequel because it's an adventure that has a direct impact on what's happening in the video game. You get to see it play out and it's not just treading water to introduce you to these characters. It's a singular moment in their lives that really informs a lot of what happens later. So in that respect, I love it. I love the insight insight that it gives me. And I wish there was a way to like take a big enough sample size to see what measurable impact on the gameplay style having read the comic versus not having read it would have you know and i i feel like it would be significant agreed agreed i think i still would not have liked solano (laughs) even if i hadn't (laughs) read the comics i i don't think i've even met him yet in the in the game like i'm very early days yeah (laughs) well uh because you know just after talking with the with the bullion when you first get to the the star base star base like 128 like that's way out there i mean <laughs> that's worse that's well at least it's not star base 80 but um <laughs> star base 80 oh. <laughs> that place is the worst but uh yeah it's uh i i really enjoyed it and i'm really enjoying yeah. the game and i'm hearing a lot of familiar voices because these voice actors have done a lot of video games and i'm like oh that guy's from skyrim that guy's from skyrim heard that guy in fallout 4 heard her in skyrim <laughs> it's just <laughs> taking them all off so like half the bridge crew are voices that are familiar to me oh that's awesome yeah i'm really excited to get back to it for sure yeah uh especially having discussed all this with you that this is so much fun so yeah yeah, I would recommend this. Go pick it up. It's a it's a really good story. It leaves me frustrated at the at the end, but that's not because of the writing of the story. That's because of the characters and the situation that it leaves, which makes for good drama in a video game, yes. right? So uh, I think it's all by design. I think you're supposed to be pissed off at the end. And if you're not, <laughs> so mission accomplished. If you're not, I would really like to talk to you and find out why, because you might be yeah. a, a sociopath. <laughs> Could very well be, <laughs> definitely. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to play more of this game, especially like I say after having read this. So yeah, all that's left is to throw it to our listeners. Have you read this? We would love to hear your opinions. Have you played the game? Let us know what you think of that. Positivelytrek at gmail.com if you want to email us or go to the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Join the conversation there. We'd love to hear from you. Brandy, what are you up to these days and where can people find you online? I'm not up to a whole lot right now. Um, hopefully I will be up to more when Strange New World Season 2 starts. Yay! Yay. So excited. Yeah, <laughs> that that full trailer really just made me squee so much. <laughs> just mm-hmm. going to be a wild ride, y'all. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12 and on Mastodon at Brandywine12 at uh rave nation dot club and uh yeah when when snw does come back uh you should be hearing new episodes of boldly go which is my podcast Ooh, with suzanne williamson uh hopefully i haven't heard final confirmation on that but uh that will be fun but otherwise you know i'm just i'm, I'm on twitter i lurk more than anything else because um uh, social media is kind of terrible a lot so but yeah, you know, I'm there for the Trek people. Yeah, I uh, my Twitter experience the other day was 
I, I went on and checked out Star Trek Twitter and there was some big thing going on where somebody had harassed one of the people on Picard's production team because they wouldn't go on their podcast. Oh, I know who that was and I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And everyone was weighing in on that. So I switched over to Alberta Twitter instead. And it was all about how the wildfires we've been experiencing were deliberately set by environmentalists and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for reasons. <laughs> and I'm like, are you, okay, are you kidding? I'm done with Twitter. Just I am wow. done. <laughs> Wow. Just wow. Uh, no, it was probably started by the people who were saying that they were started by environmentalists, because yeah. that's always the thing. The thing that they cry out most against is the thing that they're they're, they're actually doing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if environmentalists are known for one thing, it's their hatred of the environment yeah. and their desire to destroy yeah, it. Yeah, they are constantly <laughs> trying to sink the environment, you know, uh, and climate change. <sighs> they are the ones behind climate change, too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. you know that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I was done with Twitter that day. But I am on Twitter and I do occasionally try and get back there and interact with the saner parts of it. I'm at Kurtrats, and of course the podcast is at Positively Trek, and I'm on Mastodon at Kurtrats at mstdn.ca. So that's where you can find me there. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll have more episodes soon about more comics, because my goodness, there's a ton of them. Uh, and of course, Strange New Worlds is coming soon. We'll be talking about that as well. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.